0: Well, I would ask you then to turn with me to a very familiar passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we're, we will read today, verse 8 through 16. It'll be our Scripture lesson. Those of you familiar with your Bibles know when you hear Hebrews chapter 11 that the subject is almost without doubt going to relate to faith, to the subject of faith the topic of faith, and we read in this chapter a great many things about faith, and sometimes it's referred to, this 11th chapter is, it's referred to as the heroes of faith, or the chapter that talks about the heroes of faith, but I I believe sometimes that might misdirect our thoughts in some ways, and while it is good and helpful for us to read about Abraham and Moses and All of these that are listed in this chapter, Rahab, and uh, all of those, uh, named and unnamed. It's helpful for us to read about people who were people of faith. It helps us in our own life to be people of faith, to, to gain instruction and to gain strength from those who've walked before us and lived their lives in faith. And that is helpful. But I think today what we want to call attention to, particularly, is a very specific aspect of faith that I had not really considered very closely before today and feel the Lord is directing us in this direction. But faith, as we read in this chapter, it is uh, the substance of the things that we hope for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Faith is the driver, it's the fuel for obedience in our life. We will not obey God if we do not believe Him and trust Him. We will not follow Him where He sends us if we do not have faith in Him. We will not say what we are called to say at moments in which we're called to say them if we don't have faith in God. So faith is the fuel of obedience. Faith is how we understand the world. Faith is how we know that the world was made by things that are not seen. Faith is essential to absolutely everything in your life. As Christians, as followers of Christ, as believers, I think we would not argue with that question or with that statement, I should say, that faith is essential to absolutely everything. There is nothing in your life that you can do and do it pleasing to God if it is not fully done in faith. And so faith is essential. It's a vital part of our life as followers of God. And I would venture to say to you that perhaps don't know Him or don't consider yourself even religious. I would say to you that faith is important to you as well. You just maybe don't admit it or don't recognize it. Because there is nothing... In our life that we can anticipate with entire certainty, no one knows what tomorrow will bring. That is an inarguable truth. And so faith is exercised by everyone. Faith is essential to everything in your life. Trust. The only real question is, who are you trusting? What is it that you trust? In what And in whom, more specifically, do you trust? And these are all things that this 11th chapter of Hebrews and other portions, of course, in Scripture tell us about the essential nature of faith. But I want to talk to you today about the forgetfulness of faith. The forgetfulness of faith. Do you know that faith forgets things? I think we see that here in these verses in Hebrews 11. Read with me, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. So there's the fuel of obedience to God. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead, that, of course, speaking of Abraham, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. This in the middle of all of the other things that the scripture points out about faith, what I want to bring to your attention today and what has struck me this morning and in study and preparation to come is that verse verse 15. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out. In other words, if they had been thinking of Egypt, if they had been thinking of the place from which they had come, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out they would have had opportunity to return but as it is they desire a better country faith is the obedient or is the fuel for obedience we've said faith i find it interesting in verse 8 if you've ever attempted to follow god i think you'll know something about this when it says in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't. Faith doesn't always have all the answers. Faith has the most important answer. It has the ultimate answer, but faith doesn't always know where it is going, but faith does always know to whom it is going and for whom it is following and living in this life. It doesn't always know everything that is going to happen. Faith doesn't give you some kind of foresight into being able to anticipate what is going to happen in the future. Faith, at least the future from here until eternity begins, faith is something that we live by that is sometimes followed one step at a time, and we won't know all the answers, and Abraham certainly didn't. He just knew he'd been called. To leave, to go, to go somewhere, to follow God specifically, to go where God was telling him to go. And I will tell you today that every one of us, I believe, has received that calling or will. God calls you. He called me when I was 11 years old, and he told me to come to him in repentance and faith, and with his help, I did that, and I would left that day, and as an 11-year-old boy, I never could have anticipated all of the things that have happened since that day till now, but in those years that have come since that, I have, at least in times in my life, been following by faith, a faith that it trusts God, knows God. Trust him to be with me and to provide for my needs and those that I am responsible for. But it does not have all of the answers all of the time, as Abraham is an example for us. And we see that today. It doesn't always know specifically where it's going, but it does know what it's looking for. Verse 10, he may not have known exactly where he was going, but in verse 10 we read, for he was looking, that is Abraham forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So faith may not have all of the answers from here until the next day even, but faith does know what it is seeking after and it is seeking after God. And I pray that that's what your faith is seeking after. But again, today our thoughts are are centered where we want to spend our time today, However long that might be, short or long, this idea of the forgetfulness of faith. Now, to say that faith is forgetful, is not to say that it doesn't remember the past, or that it is ignorant of the past. But faith is going to be is going to set the past in such a aside in such a way that it is looking forward and looking. Toward something more than looking back towards something. Moses, we are told in this same chapter, in verses 24 through 26, we read, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered, Moses did, the reproach of Christ greater Wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Faith does not forget in such a way as it does not remember. Faith does remember the past. When we have faith in God, we do not forget what has come up until this point, but it is not what's focused on, and we'll say more about that in a minute. But again, faith, though it is forgetful in a sense of the past, it is not ignorant of it. It chooses to forget while it remembers at the same time. Faith remembers who we were yesterday, but it chooses to become who God wants us to be today. Faith in God is not locked up in yesterday. Faith in God is always and ever anticipating and looking forward to the day that we will be with God forever in heaven, and from now until then with Him walking in this life. So again, Moses did not forget where he had come from. The forgetfulness of faith is a chosen faithfulness. A forgetfulness that refuses to live as we once lived before we became followers of Christ, but a forgetfulness that refuses to let yesterday's victories lull us into some kind of a comfort today. Or yesterday's pat or the past failures to prevent us from following God today. And I think both can be a challenge for us. But faith, there is a forgetfulness to faith that I want to bring out this morning that I hope will be an encouragement to you about what it is to set out in your life following God, to set out in your life with a faith that is forgetful in all of the right ways and thoughtful in all of the right ways. And because we can get locked up in yesterday, and the faith that we have in God has an element of forgetfulness to it that is all about today. Once again, faith's forgetfulness is not ignorance. How could Moses make the the choices that he made if he did not remember the advantages and the comforts even of living in the house of Pharaoh? The king of the the most powerful nation in the land at the time. How could someone choose to forget and to live by faith if they no longer at all remembered? So again, faith does not forget the past, but it also does not focus on the past. And that's the kind of forgetfulness I think that we need to have in our own life when it comes to following God. In verse 15, it said, if they had been thinking i believe that all that all all of that translation if they had been thinking i believe that comes from one hebrew word and it, that word means to keep on recalling and thinking about again and again it is to think about something over And over to be fixated on something that has happened that has already happened in the past a life that had come before and the writer of Hebrews here tells us if they the children of Israel had been thinking and had been dwelling and had been focused on their life as it was in Egypt it says they might have had an opportunity to return but that's not what they did. So I think the encouragement for us today is that that's not how we ought to be either that the faith that we have is a faith that continually looks forward. A faith that does not focus merely on the past, does not think over and over about the past. Once a man sets out to follow Christ, it is not his past that he keeps on thinking about. It is his present obedience and his future blessing that occupy the greatest portion of his mind and heart. It is the enemy who wants us to live Thinking and and focused and fixated upon the past, whether those past things be victories or, or, or defeats, there's a forgetfulness to faith that sets it aside, whatever those things might be. At nearly 50 years old now, in just a few months, I'll turn that big number in all of the times that I have lived until this point that God has been with me at, at many times and in many ways and provided many victories in my life. There have been many things that I would consider a defeat when I allowed myself to run the show. But faith, when it is thinking correctly, sees, understands, is not ignorant of the past, but it is focused on the future and is on fo- focused on today. Because the scripture here says, if they had been thinking about where they had come from, then they might have gone right back to it. In Philippians 3, we see these, we read these very familiar script, this verses from Paul. Brothers, Paul says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone had a reason to dwell on their past failures. Surely it was Saul who would become Paul. If anyone had a reason to dwell upon his past mistakes or his past objection, rebellion, it was surely Saul. If anyone had a reason to dwell on their past victories, then surely it was the Apostle Paul. But he didn't do either of those two things. He sought the Lord And so I ask you today, are you dwelling on past failures? Are you dwelling on past victories? Either way, I don't know that you're employing rightly the forgetfulness of faith. You see, there's a danger here in thinking about the past and focusing upon it and thinking about the world. Not just the past as we think about that, but thinking about what will be the past What is now passing away, according to Paul, this world, this life, there's a danger focusing your mind and your heart here and not focusing it upon God and upon heaven, upon eternity. There's a danger that lies in that and the scriptures are not silent on those dangers. Dwelling on the past can define your present and shape your future. We never forget who we were prior to coming to Christ, but we but who we were is not who we are or who we will be, if we follow Christ and seek Him. In Genesis nineteen seventeen, that story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah gives us a, a beautiful example of what I'm trying to share with you today. It says, As they, that is the angels that had come, as they brought them, that is Lot and his wife and his daughters, as the angels brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. The angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah. They came to Lot and they said, The Lord is going to destroy this place. You who are followers of Christ and of God, you we are going to bring out prior to destruction of this city. And of course, we see all kinds of 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 connections and all kinds of foreshadows of what's going to ultimately happen one day. And just like they didn't believe it in Sodom and Gomorrah, people don't believe it today. But yet it's going to happen just like it did. And, and, and the angels came to Lot and his wife and his daughters and they say to them when it came to the point in time in which it was for them to choose to get out and the angels, it says in that passage, took them by the hand because they were hesitating and they were balking and they were, they were being slow because they were looking in the past and they were looking at their life then that they had been living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think to a degree they were lamenting the fact that they were losing it. And, and maybe that's you today. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're you're lamenting or you're you're hesitating because you don't want to lose the life that you think you have now. But I'm telling you it's coming to an end. One day it's going to be finished. It's going to be over. God is going to end it like he began it. He's going to say it is no more. He's going to stop the clock just like he started it. And and maybe you're 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 looking back and you're or you're looking at your life and, and here you are between those who would come as a messenger, which is what an angel is, and say, this place is coming to an end. You need to hear me and to listen and, and don't look back. Leave now, come with us, and do not look behind you. Don't don't hesitate, escape for your life. Some people would say, why so dramatic? Why Why would we want to be forgetful so much of this world? Why would I want to live that way? Some people really wrestle with that. A lot of people do. They think I, I'm getting along pretty well, especially in our Western world, in our very prosperous lives that we live. And I know it's all relative, I get that. But sometimes we, we forget and we think that this world is where our eyes and our focus should be on. But the forgetfulness of faith forgets this world to a degree. Sets it aside. It doesn't think about it again and again and again. Where is your mind on a daily basis? Where are your thoughts? Where do they go? Do they go up or do they go down? Or do they go horizontal? Where are you thinking? And I think there's a forgetfulness of faith here that we need to latch onto. I know that I do. He says, escape for your life, the angels is. Don't look back. All of your possessions. Listen, none of them are as valuable as your life. None of them. Don't look back, the angel said. Looking back to this world, you know what it's going to do? You know all this looking back is going to do, all it's going to do, it's going to tempt you to stop and set up camp here. Those who are ever competed in sprinting or running, what do the coaches always say, or even football, when you're running for a touchdown, don't look back. It just slows you down. Don't look at the competition. Don't look at those around you. Where are you going? And so I want to ask every one of you here today who I don't, it's nice when there are people to our right and left. That is a blessing. God has called us to live together in a church setting, in a community of people who love one another and encourage one another. But it, at the end of the day, where are your eyes focused? Are you looking back? Are you looking to the side? Don't look back. The world will be prepared, if you do, to give you every reason not to run and escape and to stay with them and to stay here. You know, they will you'll hear everything is fine. No doubt people in Sodom and Gomorrah would have said the same. Lot, you're, you're crazy. Isn't that, by the way, what his future sons-in-law said to him? And there's a lot to be said about that. But they looked at him and said, Lot, you're insane. You've lost your mind. And the angels came to Lot and to his wife and to his daughters and they said, leave this place, escape for your life, don't look back. And people in the world today, if you look back, they'll tell you, come right along with us, everything is fine, this world is the one that matters the most because it's the only one that you can see. And though you know inwardly, you do inwardly, you know I believe. I'm just convinced of it. I think the Scriptures support it, but I'm convinced of the fact that there's something inside the human heart that longs for something and knows there's something beyond what these eyes can see, these hands can feel, these ears can hear, this nose can smell. It's There's, there's a world to which we are going. But this world, as you look back at it, as you hesitate, there'll be all kinds of people there to keep you hesitating. The world will tell you this is the one that matters. So invest all of your time, all of your money, and all of your energy in the pursuit of gaining all that this world has to offer. And you and I... Satan does the same thing to us as he did to our Lord and our Lord rejected this proposal and he stood firm and steadfast in the face of it. And I pray that we do as well when Satan brings you up to the top of the temple in your mind and in your heart and he has you look out over all the world. And he see, and you see that great, wonderful job or that great, wonderful uh, uh, um, uh, prosperity and all of the riches and the fame that, that you think you want, which, by the way, you don't really You only think you do when the Satan brings you up to that temple and that tabernacle and he says, I'll give all of this to you. All you've got to do is just follow me and live for yourself and reject God. I'll give it all to you. That is the moment when you must have a forgetfulness of faith, a forgetfulness of this world, and not think and fixate upon it. These angels, they say to them, don't stop. Don't hesitate. I wonder how many people having first looked back stopped and have now been swept away as these angels said they would be thinking all the while that one day they would make things right with God. But hearing the whispers of the world and the pull of the world of the carnal flesh, the carnal heart, you just hesitate. You just just stop and you just glance back. Are you glancing back? Is that where your mind and heart is? Please listen to the angels as they say to you, as they said to Lot. If the angels could speak to you today audibly, this is what they would say, the very same thing, escape for your life. Don't hesitate. Don't look back. God's coming to destroy this world. And that is becoming more and more of a foreign idea, even in the Christian culture in which we live. But that's what's going to happen. Escape for your life, the angel would tell you today. And you, by the way, if you saw one, you'd do what Joshua did. You'd bow down at, his, at their feet and worship them so beautiful and power and mighty they would be. And then that angel would say to you, get up. There's one so far greater than me. It is him that you must bow to. So listen to the angel as he says to you, have a forgetfulness of faith, the forgetfulness of faith that forgets and sets aside this world and its concerns and its fears and its desires. But I wonder how many people they stopped in the valley of this world one too many times and ended up sharing then in this world's eternal ruin. Rather than escaping to the high ground of God's salvation with a complete abandonment and forgetfulness of this world, their moments of worldly hesitation have now ended in eternal loss. Don't don't make that you. The forgetfulness of faith sets aside and sees clearly what is real and what is not. And we all know, and I'm sure it has come to your mind already, this one who looked back, and even in that account, Lot's wife. Verse 23 of that same chapter in Genesis 19, the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. I believe it's Tertullian, Arrhenius, I believe even Josephus. If I remember correctly, don't quote me on it. I'm not claiming it 100%, but I believe I've read all three of those men claim to have seen this pillar of salt, of this woman who looked back. Now, why did she look back? Why would she have done such a thing? For the same reasons that maybe you're struggling And I'm struggle at times to look back at this world. Because by the way, this message, it's for those who don't yet know the Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit will use these words and grab a hold of your heart and pull you to him and that you will not reject him, but that you will come to him and you will have a forgetfulness of faith that forgets and sets aside this world for the one that is coming and for God and sets aside self and sets it in place, sets God there on that throne of your life. But I, I also want you to know this is for those of us who already know the Lord too. Because we we can struggle with this as well. We can let go of, of, the, of a right kind of forgetfulness of faith and start focusing upon this world instead of the next. But why would Lot's wife have turned back? The scriptures don't tell us why. So all we can do is speculate. But there's probably a number of reasons. Maybe she thought her looking back would go undetected. I mean, the scriptures did Make a point of saying that she was behind locked. She was in the back. Maybe she thought no one would notice. Maybe if I, I just i just want to glance back and, and nobody will notice. Even though the angels have told me not to look back. She stops and or she hesitates for a moment and she looks back. And she takes that look back. She does not forget and go forward. Perhaps though she thought no one would notice when she was mistaken. Perhaps, with a longing, she looked back with a longing to see her her home there one final time. Maybe she still was attached to it. Are you still attached to this world? No, I'm serious. That's a question that is a much deeper question than we give it credit. I think. Are you attached to this world? Are you looking back are are you are you lamenting maybe the fact that there's things in this world and this life that you want to do but maybe maybe you feel a calling from God to leave it and to forget it? That may have been what lots wife's problem was. And in in regard to that or related to that, maybe there was just a feeling of regret for all that she felt she was losing? Maybe maybe that's your struggle too that you just you think that there's going to be nothing but loss I, I i tell you today there there's nothing but gain when you come to god what you lose you've already lost and never really had you know i've learned some things in my day and particularly maybe over these last couple of years that future the future that i i was anticipating and 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 really looking forward to That I that I don't have now and that maybe in your life you've had similar situations in your life where things have changed so so significantly that the future that you were looking forward to all of a sudden it's taken away from you. And I've had moments of clarity, I think, where God kind of reveals to me, oh, that future you you thought you had, you you never held it. It was never yours. The future that I can give you, that is sure and steadfast because I hold it for you. This world that you are concerned about losing or fear, uh, having some regret that you've lost it, I'm telling you, you don't even have it. There's nothing but gain when you go to God. What you lose is already lost and what you gain can never be lost. Come to Him. Maybe she looked back to see if her daughters were following and I think that would be Reasonable as we speculate upon this, but I just want to present this as an idea for you to think about. Even if that was her motive, I just just want to make sure my daughters are there. She was told not to look back. She was told not to look back. You know, the best way to lead anyone in your life to God is for you to not look back. Follow him. Best way to lead as a Christian is to follow God. Even Paul said it this way: be followers of me as I follow Christ. And sometimes we can we can want others to follow Christ to such a point that we look back toward them instead of looking to Christ and always and ever looking forward. Some questions I want you to ponder because I'm going to ponder them. Do you spend most of your week looking back to this world? Is Sunday the only day you spend any time looking toward heaven? Are your eyes drawn so powerfully to this life that you struggle to see the next Do the treasures of this world shine so brightly that they pull your eyes away from the treasures of heaven? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then I I beg you to remember Lot's wife and I beg you to gain the forgetfulness of faith. Jesus himself said that to remember Lot's wife. He said that himself in Luke chapter 17, verse 32 He talked about how things had been going along and people were uh, being married and given in marriage and just going about their life and all of a sudden destruction came. And he said to them after he gave them that example, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife should have had her eyes and her mind focused on what was in front of her and not what was behind her and so too should yours and mine be. The Lord's call to us is not to look back. This idea, this forgetfulness of faith, that idea in scripture, it's, it's, it's sprinkled throughout. And Jesus himself told us much the same thing in Luke chapter nine, verse 61. There were some people that had come to Jesus and said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go take care of whatever it is. And there were three people and all three had different reasons to to wait, to hesitate, to look back to ignore the instructions of the angels and say, look forward, to ignore the idea of the forgetfulness of faith and to abandon this world to follow Christ. They all had their own reasons. And to one, Jesus said this, the one that said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. I want to go back and just say goodbye. I want to wrap up loose ends. I want to tie up the knots. I want to make it clean. Lord, I'll follow you, but I've got to go do this other thing first. I've got to go see to the world first i've got to i've got to just finish what i feel i need to finish there and this is what jesus says to this man and maybe if this is you it's what he says to you jesus said to him no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of god no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of god i beg you today put your hand to the plow and start plowing Start today. I don't care how many days have passed up until this point. I I encourage you to start plowing. Don't look back. Don't ever look back. Whatever held you back yesterday, don't let it hold you back today. Let it go and never look back again. Have the forgetfulness of faith. Now, why would anyone do this as we come toward a close today? Why would anyone live this kind of life? Well, we're told why. Because the forgetfulness of faith opens up our ability to rightly see what we cannot otherwise see. And namely, in the passage here, that though we have not received the things promised yet, that's what the Scripture said, that they all died having not received it yet, they they did see it afar off. It was off in the distance, and, and they knew that it was secure. They knew that it was theirs. They knew that it was just a a period of time, however long that might be in, in the way that we measure time, but in the, in the measure of eternity, it's, it's just a heartbeat. If it's decades or, or even longer, it's still just a heartbeat next to eternity. And they saw it. They looked forward and, and they saw and in a sense received what they did not yet receive here in this life. They knew that God was faithful to deliver the promises that he made. They remembered as well that they were just strangers and exiles here. And that, by the way, is another benefit of the forgetfulness of faith. It reminds us that we're not of this world. We're exiles. We're not just strangers. We are strangers, according to the scripture. We're pilgrims. But not only that, we're exiles. We're not home. We're strangers and exiles here, so our suffering and our trials are, are nothing at all unusual. They're things that should be unexpected. Why else would they do it? Because it says that they desire a better country. That's what the forgetfulness of faith does. It desires something better. It desires something better than anything this world can give. The word desire in the Hebrew, it's to reach out after. It's not just to sit back and want something. It's to reach out, to grasp, to grab hold of. It's like what Paul said, I I press toward the mark. I'm reaching out. The forgetfulness of faith is not an idle thing. It doesn't make you inactive. It makes you actively longing and looking for a better country, someplace that you reach out after. The promises of God are not to be merely waited for, but to be desired in this sense, that you're longing for it, you're reaching out after it, you're striving to grab a hold of it. And oh, that we would think that way with a forgetfulness of faith that forgets the world and has a, has a longing to reach out, and to stretch, and to, to go as far as one can go to grab a hold of God and the way that he wants us to live in this life. We should not look at this life as merely a place in which we wait for the next one. We should live this life reaching out after the things of God. We should strive tomorrow to be more Christ-like than we were today. We should actively live for God in this life as we journey through this place as pilgrims and exiles and strangers longing and reaching out and having a forgetfulness of faith sets aside the world and does not do what the scriptures said that Israel didn't do at this time. They did not think about, they did not consider, they did not ponder again and again and again. They did not fixate on Egypt. They did for a little while. If you remember when they first came out, they, they said, hey, we were better back in Egypt, but God didn't let them go back and he won't let you either. Faith remembers the past, but chooses to forget it and remembers and understands and recognizes this world, but chooses to set it aside in favor of striving for something better, a better place, a better country, namely God and heaven. Maybe, as I close, you're not convinced yet. Maybe you're hesitant still to embrace the forgetfulness of faith, to let go of the world, to embrace God and to set aside your thoughts and cares of this life. If so, I want to leave you with what faith's forgetfulness allows you and will allow you, even you, to finally see. In Revelation 21, John tells us about it. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And before I continue to read... So long as you refuse to have a forgetfulness of faith and your eyes are set only on this world, you will not be able to see this. You'll hear about it. You'll hear and understand the words that are that I will speak in quoting this passage. But it will not grab a hold of your heart until you let go, until you have a forgetfulness of faith. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw and what does the sea do? It separates. There's no more separation. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. <clears throat> and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former thing. Things have passed away that's what you're able to see when you have a forgetfulness of faith and so long as you don't have the forgetfulness of faith that dismisses and no longer looks at this world do you know what you're going to see do you know the only thing that you're going to be able to see again and again and again what just was told of us god's going to do away with death separation crying tears Mourning, brokenness, that's what you're going to see all the days of your life, maybe sprinkled in with a few moments of prosperity and transient uh, peace that you go from day to day with. But then when it all implodes and it all begins to, to, to break apart and to, to, to be ripped from your very hands, all the things that you trusted that you focused on that you looked at and considered again and again and again every day of your life when the alarm clock goes off and you go to school or you go to work or you live your life and you have enjoyments and leisure and all of these other things and, and you put your hope in them and then one day, one by one, they're all taken from you. That's what you have to see until you have a forgetfulness of faith and you set aside the world to see God and to see the hope that He gives and He's going to wipe away every tear from your eye and if you reject Him, Tears will all will be the only thing that your eyes will ever experience again. Burden and brokenness and sorrow. These thoughts today, again, they are for those that don't know the Lord. I pray that the spirit of God would empower the words that are being spoken and his word in particular, which he said he will do. And, and again, grab a hold of your heart and, and take your eyes and wash them so that you might see, so that you might understand what the forgetfulness of faith is all about. But not only you. Those of us who are saved, to live our life with a forgetfulness of faith. What's God calling you to? Where is He calling you? To whom is He calling you? To what is He calling you? That maybe you're not laser focused on like you ought to be because you're not living with a forgetfulness of faith to set aside the things of this world. Let the forgetfulness of faith drive you to obedience today. Let go of your fear and cling to God. I promise you, I promise you, He will not let you down. He won't. Live with the forgetfulness of faith. You say, God, I don't know, just like Abraham did, or did not i- I don't know where this is all going i I don't know, I only know this God, you've called, oh, that we would simplify all of the complexities that the world throws at our minds. I don't know all about tomorrow. I don't have all the answers. I don't know why our nation is doing what it's doing. I don't understand it. I don't know why more people can't see it. I don't understand why the world seems to be spinning completely out of control. I don't know why so many are hurting today. And I don't understand all of the evil that's going on. I don't understand in my own life all of the things that have happened and all of the things that may yet happen. I don't know and I don't understand all of those things. But may God help me to have a forgetfulness of faith that sets it all aside And says, God, I know one thing you've called, and I'm following. I don't know what's going to happen between here and there, but I know what's going to happen when I get there. I'm going to be with you, and every tear is going to be wiped away by you. I'll tell you, when God wipes your tears away, they're gone. I can't wait for that day. Not only when God wipes my tears away, but he wipes the tears of all of those that I love and he wipes them away once and for all. And all that's left for us here is to live with this forgetfulness of faith, not ignorance. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to live in a fantasy land. I'm not telling you to dismiss yourself from reality. I'm not telling you to live in such a way to be radical, just to be radical. I'm telling you to live with a forgetfulness of faith. that says... I trust God. And I know I don't see all, but I know He does. And I know He loves me. And that He loves all the world. And I want to live with a forgetfulness of faith that allows me to be one such as was listed in that 11th chapter of Hebrews. Not so that I might be known, but so that He might be. Forgetfulness of faith. I pray that God would bring that to your heart. I feel like, I feel like I've I've made one step of progress in the many many that God has shown or began to to show, and, and I leave it with Him and you to puzzle out the rest of what He wants to say to you about this. But there's there's something here I think that can change our lives for the better if we would dwell on it and contemplate it, and ask God to show us more and more of it. Let's have a song if we could, brother John.